ignition sequence start. Three, two, one. Lock and load. It's time for the gun rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gun Racks Nord Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast. I'm Josiah Upper, and with me, we have one Drew Poplin. I forgot to say that folks call me Joey, but we were the that's one of the most in sync. Uh, reps of that we have done so way to be my guy way to be one of us thank you for acknowledging it i've been trying yeah it's good stuff uh today we have a good show for you guys this is going to be a part of a much larger collection of podcast episodes and content for sdi uh this is a place we haven't really dived into uh, in the past, uh, and it is the wonderful world of concealed carry. Now, part of the reason we haven't gotten into this in the past is because SDI, as an entity, can't endorse other companies because we're a school and we're an accredited school, and we make sure that uh, we uh, take care of ourselves and that our integrity is is paramount. So we don't uh, do that kind of thing. But what uh, we're sharing here uh, and over the course of these episodes is uh, my personal opinions and uh, I have uh, extensive experience both in concealed carry and writing about concealed carry uh, in the past and I think I will be able to help you guys out a little bit if you guys have questions about certain things. Anyway, all that aside, we're going to get into some fun stuff. Uh, this very first one is going to be about a topic and a concept that a lot of people think is outdated, which is the shoulder holster. We're going to look into shoulder holsters today. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Drew Poplin is on the clues, Drew's clues. And uh, what do we got today, Drew? All right. So last week, the answer to Drew's clues was the XM25 Punisher. Um, if you are not familiar with this firearm, I encourage you to go Google it, uh, take a look at the picture. It is very futuristic looking, very cool looking. Too bad it wasn't really that good. Yeah, what if Steyr was bad is, is the motto of the XM25, <laughs> I think. So this week, uh, we have four clues for you, four Drew's clues. And the first of which is that this is a modular semi-automatic pistol. Number two, it's been chambered in 9 by 19 Parabellum. Number three, on the 19th of January, 2017, this handgun was chosen to replace the Beretta M9 as the United States Armed Forces main service pistol. Uh, they made two models under a different name, but they are derived uh, from this firearm. And finally, this was Joey's first handgun and concealed carry. It's true. And uh, I will even add as a caveat that I ended up getting rid of it and moving on to other things because I found it to be too thick for concealed carry. I think I've referenced it earlier in episodes past, but we will see. Uh, it's an interesting firearm. It's an extremely popular firearm. I don't know if that's a hint or not. And uh, worth a shot if you guys have never had the opportunity to put one in your hands. 
Yeah, one last clue. Go check out episode 100. We yeah. talk about it. Yes, it's in there. We talk about a lot of guts, but it is in there. Um, you should just listen to the whole episode just to be sure, though. You should, and then um, delete it, and then re-download it hmm. a couple of times, maybe, because <laughs> I'm pretty sure we we get those stats, too. So worth, uh, worth taking a look. Uh, we would appreciate it if that's what you did all day, every day. Um, There's something to be said for being thorough. Yes, 100%. Now, before we get into the shoulder holstery, uh, we've got something to share with you guys, and that is Sonoran Desert Institute. Uh, Are you guys interested in crafting your firearms future? Well, we have a place for you. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school uh, accredited by the DEAC. Uh, It focuses in the realms of firearms technology and unmanned or uncrewed technology. And uh, there are so many things you can learn uh, about the world of gunsmithing uh, in our courses. If you ever want to check us out uh, for more than just podcasts, please feel free to hop on to sdi.edu, uh, whether it's our curriculum, uh, which is available uh, via our course catalog, or uh, the opportunity uh, to check out the Department of Military and Veteran Services and see what they do for our student body um, and everything in between. We would love to have you guys come check us out and become a part of the SDI family if you are not already. Okay, advertisement over. Let's get into things. Now, with all the concealed carry stuff that we're putting out there, this caveat is going to stick at the top or the middle. It's going to be somewhere either in bold or in italics. Uh, When we're talking about concealed carry, you must, must, must follow your state and local laws. Have to do it. Nothing we say is an attempt to subvert uh, those uh, requirements of you. Uh, Whether whether you feel that this should be more or less regulated, um, SDI strongly recommends that you follow your state and local laws when it comes to anything firearms. And uh, when, in this case, that's going to be just make sure that you know what you're doing. If you have to have a permit, don't carry without a permit, please. <laughs> and, uh, and all of that good stuff. If you happen to be in a state with constitutional carry, still make sure that you take a peek at your state and local laws for places that you can't be in, or even uh, how you uh, may be required to interact with law enforcement, say, if you are pulled over for running a stop sign or what have you. Just be very, very careful. Uh, And uh, with that caveat, let's dig into this guy. Drew, when you hear shoulder holsters, uh, Drew's kind of a newbie to this land. What do you think, Drew? I think of... um... Leaving Cleef in a fistful of do- uh, a few dollars more. Yeah. The, um, uh, and I that's, mean, oh, go ahead. He had one, right? I don't remember, largely because I've never seen it. <laughs> um, you, have you seen the, uh, Dollars trilogy? No, there is a, I've seen a, a surprisingly little amount of Clint Eastwood films. Dude. I've seen Heartbreak Ridge. Um, that's the only one off the top of I've seen plenty of things he's directed or helps, you know, put together, but you've never even seen Dirty Harry. Oh, I have seen Dirty Harry. Okay. Yes. I've okay. seen Dirty Harry. Uh probably worth watching again because I think I watched it like seven or eight years ago at this point. 
mm-hmm. but uh, felt like I had to watch that one. So definitely made that one happen. We're clearing but, out time in our schedule to watch that. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> happening. And uh, <laughs> thank goodness for uh, flex time because uh, that may be a priority. Maybe <laughs> maybe first thing in the morning. I don't know. Um, but you actually hit on the point that uh, I was aiming for, which is a lot of people, when they're talking about shoulder holsters, we're talking about people that are thinking of uh, law enforcement officers or just straight up people that are carrying with the shoulder holster in yesteryear. A lot of people don't think of it as a modern uh, tool, right? Or a modern method of concealment. It's not necessarily as trendy as carrying inside the waistband, uh, especially appendix, which seems to be everyone's absolute fixation, Um, or even a very tight outside the waistband holster, which is how uh, when uh, I have had my permit, which I'll go into in a second, um, is, is, was my preferred way to go about it. Uh, to explain that for a second, I let my concealed carry permit lapse on accident a couple of years ago. So I've actually been concealed carry permitless for a while. And I finally, finally, finally uh, got my uh, concealed carry once more. How long and, did that take? Uh, oh, a long time. So the I'm not going to get too far into complaining about government entities because that's not really what SDI is about. Um, but I will say uh, two things. One, I got a non-resident permit that was honored in my state for expedience sake, expediency's sake, excuse me. And two, it took... Uh, I think two full months longer than it was supposed to. It might be one, but it was even when I did my research and made a call based on what I thought would be the the fastest way to rejoin the ranks of the responsibly concealed carrying. Wow. I'm going to say that like those are actual words. Um, Even myself who did a lot of research uh, into what uh, what permit services were going to make sense uh, for me to rejoin the ranks of be responsibly concealed carrying. Uh, I still uh, waited at least 50% over again uh, what I probably should have waited pre-pandemic uh, times. And I know we don't like to talk about the pandemic on here very much because the world is stressful and there's no reason for this podcast to be. Uh, but uh, I also think it's fair to note that that has had a, a very significant impact on the farms industry, right? Especially with farms and ammo availability, but also with just the general tension in the country going up in a lot of ways. Um, maybe not necessarily going up as precipitously right now as it was uh, in in the past couple of years. Um, people are looking to get their concealed carry and uh, that has slowed things down a bit. A uh, combination of sickness for people and uh, a, an increased desire even, uh, or at least a per- perceived increased desire, I don't have the statistics right in front of my face, uh, to go get those carry permits has really thrown things for a loop. I know that there were people in my area waiting 
a almost a comically long time uh, to get their things done, which is why I ended up looking for a non-resident that was honored here in the same manner. Um, if you are looking, by the way, for a non-resident permit, be absolutely positive that your state has some sort of reciprocity with non-resident permits specifically. I know this is a whole tangent at this point, but that's really important. Um, just be sure that if you are going to make a call to get yourself uh, responsibly armed uh, in a concealed fashion, that you are you're doing everything exactly right because uh, the stakes are high and you want to be absolutely positive you are doing your above reproach, right? Um, so that was a very long rabbit hole to dive down, but I think it's pretty important too. I think I ended up, I put in my application a week before Thanksgiving. Uh, I got my permit a week ago. Gotcha. Uh, I think it was approved on the 22nd of April. So that's... Mm -hmm. December, January, February, March, April, five months, and then a little bit of time to ship to me. Not ideal, but still I've been told faster than even now how things are being processed uh, in my particular area. Um, and uh, I'm not going to name names or anything like that, because sometimes you get dealt a shorthand and they're probably doing the very best they can. Uh, oh. Now all that's done. Um, I am back, baby, in the world of concealed mm -hmm. carry, which is where I made my bones uh, in the firearms industry before joining SDI. And part of that journey has been looking for the best ways to conceal carry once more because I've been on a break, right? And within that includes uh, looking at shoulder holsters, uh, there's actually a funny story behind that, but uh, also looking at different ways to conceal carry inside and outside the waistband. Uh, fun story for that, um, as we're just word vomiting concealed carry stories at this point. I have a holster company, right, that up until very recently, uh, I swore by up and down. Um I won't name them because I'm about to, well, I'm about to tell you why. Um, but they had a slim fit outside the waistband holster that just disappeared on my waist, even with normal size shirts, just gone with a not small uh, semi-compact Baby Eagle or TriStar T100, which is a Baby Eagle clone. Um, it was awesome. I think it was sub 75 bucks. And it was totally, it was so dang cool. They also made inside the waistband holsters. They did uh, leather Kydex hybrids mostly. And I absolutely loved it. So I go on after I put in my application a few months ago to look to see what they have because my firearms choice since then has kind of, my preference has changed. Um, and because of that, uh, I'm looking for some new holsters. And I found that the company that I loved has disappeared off the internet and that there are loads and loads and loads of uh, complaints about them on the Better Business Bureau. Um, and it, it's not a good look. I'm not here to condemn them or to say that they are, you know, 
haven't done any of the things they're being complained about, but definitely eyebrow raising, right? So not going to do that anymore. And uh, so I'm on a journey myself to go find the right holster for me. Now, shoulder holsters in particular, I already have one. And I already have one in kind of a weird way. So I got or I found a shoulder holster at an estate sale from a guy who owns somewhere between five and six gajillion firearms. Um, the estate sale was so large that the firearms component of it and the rest of the estate sale component of it were two separate estate sales taking place simultaneously, which is pretty dang cool. But uh, this was happening uh, a couple of years ago when firearms prices were preposterously high. Um, and so that none of that worked out. But what did work out was a uh, shoulder holster for a Commander 1911. Is a, it's either a Bianchi or a Bianchi. I don't know. It's B-I-A-N-C-H-I holster. Um, and I fell in love with that holster. It was on sale for like 30 or 40 bucks, somewhere in there. Um, they normally run about 150 to 175 bucks. A huge, massive, redonkulous deal. And it very obviously has barely been used. So picked that up and uh, found that I liked it so much that I thought I would kind of work my concealed carry system around that. And then immediately uh, my permit last uh, while I wasn't paying attention. And, you know, I entered this, this desert that I've just emerged from. Uh, that sparked my interest into a form of carry that's not necessarily the most popular in the world anymore. Um, and because of that, I've been doing look uh, doing some looking into all sorts of uh, various forms of shoulder holsters from regular leather to I have, at one point I had a Uncle Mike's uh, nylon, I think they, they're made of shoulder holster, which I just can't recommend less to you. Um, and then there's another surprise contender in here. Alien Gear now makes shoulder holsters and they, for all... Uh, for all the world, I've not used one yet, uh, look really solid. So uh, let's get into that. First question is going to be, what's a shoulder holster? What's a shoulder sure. holster? So here's a trivia question for you, Drew. Yeah, what's a shoulder holster, Drew? <laughs> Just take a guess. It's a holster that uh, is near your shoulder. Yeah, okay. Valid, fair. Um, I did not come here with a with a Webster definition, uh, but what I can tell you is that a shoulder holster is made to retain your firearm uh, by making use of your shoulders instead of your waist uh, as the 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 load bearing apparatus. And I'm making that up off the top of my head. So if there's I mean, a definition, that's practically out there, what I said. Yeah. Yeah, definitely the, <laughs> definitely the same. Um, if someone out there has a has a definition, send it to uh, marketing at sdi.edu or put it in the comments on social. We would love to hear from you. But that's what we're operating with right now. And frequently, in fact, 
pretty much always that firearm is going to be uh, under your shoulder, either left or right, uh, almost exclusively in a cross draw pattern. So if you're right hand dominant or you shoot with your right hand, it's gonna be tucked under your left shoulder. Uh, if you are a lefty, vice versa, right? Uh, these can be a single shoulder uh, apparatus. Generally, they're around both shoulders. Uh, sometimes that's going to include two firearms. Sometimes that'll include a uh, firearms holster and then a holster for two magazines or one magazine or what have you. And then frequently, additionally, these will come with some sort of belt fastener, kind of almost looking like a suspenders uh, pair. And the reason for that is stability. You take this thing, you get the weight on your shoulders, and then you stick it to your belt and it's adjustable or excuse me, it's secure that way. Adjustability is something we're going to talk about down the road. But that's the general gist of what a shoulder holster is. Uh, you can have two, or generally two, uh, orientations for your shoulder holster. Uh, you can have it be uh, horizontal, which means the butt of the gun is sticking out in front of you. Well, not in front of you, but it's facing outward that way. Um, or you can have it vertical, which means it's pointing down towards the ground uh, and the, the butt of the gun is tucked up in your armpit, essentially. And the, the merits of those uh, kind of are dictated by the particular firearm, right? There's probably not really a specific answer that works best for either of those. Uh, so those are the very basics out of the way. Um, when we're talking about shoulder holsters for what I would call, quote unquote, normal carry firearms. So I'm going to include blocks in there, 1911s, some SIGs. Uh, this is a very, uh, this is a very good option. Uh, you cannot, however, carry this uh, concealed at all times, right? It doesn't doesn't really work that way unless you want to go super deep concealment. Like uh, I think IK makes one that way. Um, so what drew, when you're thinking of a shoulder holster, what are you wearing around that holster to hide it? I'd imagine probably you're wearing like a coat of some sort. Um, I don't know what you do for the summer though. And, and that's a valid point. And one of the big limitations of this, right? The, uh, the shoulder holster is limited by your environs in a lot of ways. Um, you need to conceal with a shoulder holster. You need some sort of over piece of clothing. If you're wearing some super deep one, uh, you, you can wear a t-shirt over that, although I wouldn't recommend that. Um, or if you're wearing like a t-shirt and then like a, a button up over that as like a, a unbuttoned button up around it. Um, that's probably the best and only way you're going to be able to swing that uh, in the summertime. And even then you might print a bit because if you're wearing a shirt over a shirt, you're probably wearing a, a light shirt or a lighter shirt. But the two big ways that uh, people will carry uh, shoulder holsters will be under some sort of suit jacket, which is actually pretty sweet. That's about as, as classy as, as it gets, I think. In terms of concealed carry, it's just really cool. Uh, or you can carry 
uh, with some form of proper coat. It could be a flannel coat, could be a big winter coat or a pea coat, which actually I think would also be kind of classy and awesome. I say you're selling me on the shoulder holster more and more. Like I'm just yeah, saying, it's it's yeah. like an aesthetic choice as much as anything else. But I also find them to be very comfortable, um, which actually brings me into the next thing. So let's acknowledge, so I don't gloss over it, the fact that uh, the shoulder holster can be limited in terms of scope to what the weather dictates, right? That's, that's thing one. Uh, thing two, and this is something to really commend them, a good shoulder holster um, is extremely adjustable. There are all sorts of loops and buckles and buttons, depending on who's making it, to make this thing fit your body. All of our bodies are unique, right? And we each need something that's going to uh, work exactly right for us. And uh, shoulder holsters give us a lot of opportunity for that. Uh, even our largest of friends, there's probably one out there for you. Uh, in fact, I know for a fact uh, in doing research for this episode that I watched a guy uh, wearing a 4X shirt. I think he referred to it as a 4X. Uh, pop out a shoulder holster, no problem. So that's significant. This this can work for pretty much all body sizes and types, which is another big plus. Uh, that's going to have kind of a trump card over appendix carry, for example, where like big dudes can carry appendix. It's a thing that some people do, uh, but a lot of people can't because it's uncomfortable to them. Uh, and shoulder holsters are rarely going to end up being that way. So we've got adjustability. We've got kind of a weather dictate thing. Capacity is something I do want to touch on for these guys. And largely because with these, you don't need most of the time a separate apparatus or add-on to have additional magazines at the ready, which is super cool. So you can tuck the gun under your left armpit if you're a righty, for example. And then... Under your right armpit uh, is a spot for two magazines. So if you're carrying a Glock uh, 19, suddenly you're carrying 40 plus rounds into any situation you may be in. I mean, talk about safety. <laughs> uh, that's going to be, God willing, way more than you will ever actually need um, in a scenario, but it also works as a really nice counterweight. So there's a bonus there. Um, so in capacity, shoulder holster can have the edge over. I mean, of course you can carry uh, a spare mag outside the waistband, inside the waistband, uh, even if your pocket, if you're feeling frisky. But uh, shoulder holsters definitely have a little bit more uh, packed in and ready to go in that respect. Now, there's another component of this that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, and that is if you're not touching Uncle Mike's nylon holster. Sorry, Uncle Mike. I don't even know if it was Uncle Mike's that I used. I'm just going to say generic nylon holster. Sorry, Uncle Mike. Shoulder holsters are not cheap. They are not cheap at all. Um, the one at, you know, at Bianchi that I got that was very much a, a discount 
uh, is about normal for their costs. So that one was, I think currently they retail or the closest uh, facsimile to what I had retailed at retails currently, excuse me, at $166. Uh, the X15 vertical shoulder holster of theirs, $169. Though that's not nothing. And Alien Gear, which actually, if you guys are familiar with Alien Gear, famous for affordability. I mean, almost above everything else, uh, except for maybe their customer support, which is uh, unbelievably good. Their price is is just up there. That's a huge reason people get that. It's a huge reason they're so popular. Their cheapest shoulder holster is uh, $193.88. Um, their other shoulder holster is also $193.88. They've got the Shapeshift shoulder holster. They've got the Alien Gear Cloak shoulder holster. And uh, I have heard, or rather I have seen on YouTube, uh, that they seem to be pretty solid things. But when you're talking about this system, you're talking about paying at least $100. I'm also looking at craft holsters right now. And theirs appear to be in that... They've got one for 119 bucks, but it's one-sided. Uh, most of them are dancing around the 180 to even all the way up to 350. There's a lot. They're expensive. That's that's just facts. Uh, part of that is because they're craft leather, and that I mean the quality is awesome. So definitely a plus. But uh, when you are purchasing a shoulder holster, the fact of the matter is, unless you live somewhere really cold or you are just dedicated to the cause of flannel, which coincidentally our friend Drew is, you're you're paying a hundred bucks to three hundred fifty bucks for a system that you're going to wear half the year, <laughs> um, or less, or a little more. Um, you. Uh, used to live up north, and uh, that would definitely make a little more sense there. So it's definitely an investment. And then uh, the other part of it is some people really like to have one single system. They want to still carry one firearm, and they want to conceal carry in one particular way. So that if something happens, they always know exactly where that thing is, which is valid. Um, this is probably not that look, unless you don't mind open carrying sometimes. Uh, so just consider all of that uh, when you are thinking about the shoulder holster. That's kind of my several-minute word vomit considering the shoulder holster system. Uh, I, For all of that being said, uh, if you ever find one at a discount like I did, I love mine. I think it is awesome. And, uh, I, of course, I got my permit uh, right as soon as it got warm here where I live. Uh, so it's going to be stuck for a while, but I think it is so, so cool. And I can't wait to break it out come probably late fall for us. Actually, if you don't mind, I have two questions uh, that just kind of popped to mind. Go ahead. So I imagine that nowadays there isn't really limitations as to like what sort of handgun you would be holstering with a shoulder holster. Largely no, and that's one of the nice things. So with a shoulder holster, if you're okay with a you know giant bulge under your armpit, there's a pretty high ceiling to what you can carry there. Um, actually, if you watch Psych, 
which is an amazing show or was an amazing show. It closed out in 2014. Uh, there is in the second season, a guy that carries a desert Eagle under his shoulder in a, under a suit. It's awesome. Um, like, doesn't Lassiter, like, I can't remember. I think Lassie might be a shoulder holster guy. He is. He's not always, but he frequently is. Uh-huh. Um, and he carries a a Glock and a 1911 later on in the show. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he does make use of the shoulder holster. Um, this is where, if you're someone like me, who doesn't love carrying semi-compact anymore, uh, and by semi-compact, I mean that Glock 19, 15 round range of things, right? Uh, all of which are excellent or many of which are excellent shooters, but not necessarily the easiest to conceal on your person, especially if you're a little larger. The shoulder holster gives you a little wiggle room on that. Um, there are, I actually have been looking at one. I have a six-inch barrel 357 Magnum that I'm considering buying a vertical shoulder holster for, which is probably not the most practical thing, but the that gives me more opportunity to try that than... Uh, any kind, I mean, it just wouldn't work inside the waistband, I don't, I don't think. So there's definitely some opportunity there. And again, you're going to look really cool doing it. Oh, 100%. Towards the end, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of people, they prefer one way of carrying, and that's it. Uh, that, and I, I get that because if you're practicing, um, you kind of want to stick to at least one system for a yeah, while. Yeah, you want to be sure you're good at the thing you're yeah. practicing. And that the easiest way to do that is to do one thing consistently. Yeah. Um, assuming you do get to the point where you're pretty consistent with that, is it unheard of for someone to have both, you know, both on them at one point, like a uh, waistband and a shoulder? It's possible. Um, it's almost more of a, I would think anyway, it's almost more of a forethought, excuse me, for fun thing um, mm-hmm. than it is necessarily a, a necessity thing. Because yeah. my philosophy, well, I don't necessarily agree with the the idea that you need to only carry in one place. I, I definitely see the logic behind it. And I would argue that if you're going to carry, probably carry one firearm on you. Mm-hmm. Um until you feel extremely confident and competent in it. Um, and then if you want to carry a backup, I suppose it's understandable. So I guess so. Um, I think if I were going to carry more than one firearm on me, though, I'd just stick it in a double shoulder holster, mm-hmm. which is available and looks so cool. <laughs> so um, there's definitely that component to it. But I could see someone wearing, especially if you're wearing like a big jacket or something, yeah. something under the shoulder and then a small inside the waistband or, or very tight outside the waistband backup firearm. Yeah. And I could see the argument being that like, rather than carry two firearms, just carry one and then you can use the extra space for ammo. Yeah. That's also like, valid. So um, if you're confident that your firearm is reliable, which if you're not confident, don't carry it. Yeah. Um, that you know bringing more things to to keep it functional is is not not the worst idea then again i always heard people on xbox tell me it's easier to switch the switching uh, to your other switch, weapon yeah, is yeah. always faster than reloading <laughs> um yeah. there's a 
a video on YouTube from Theo Suceris, who used to guest host this podcast yeah. about mag changes. And uh, my man is fast. <laughs> he is. He is bordering upon stupid fast. <laughs> uh, he can. He'll drop his magazine out and be ramming another one home in one movement. Essentially, it's cool stuff. Yeah, Theo's a pretty uh, cool guy. Yeah, Theo's a good dude. And uh, we were glad to to have him for as long as we did. But anyway, that's the story on shoulder holsters. Um, I would say if you are brand new to concealed carry, maybe try something else first. Get comfortable in that thing that you could do year round. Um, and then swing back to this if you have the, the finances and inclination to do so. I would love at some point to get my hands on the Alien Gear shoulder holster situation and just see what they're doing. Alien Gear, whether you personally like them or not, um, they have done a lot for the concealed carry industry in terms of getting more and more people to actually carry. And that is sweet. And they do that by affordability and ridiculous customer service so that's not not an sdi endorsement of alien gear in fact it's not even a me endorsement of alien gear but uh you do have to acknowledge the subtle ways that they have and are changing the game so it's good stuff oh one final note about them if you are a larger fellow and there's no judgment here at all um cross draw holsters and uh, we're going to talk about this more later um can be a little trickier to operate and manipulate if you have to reach across your chest and your chest is really, really big. Um, no judgment there, just something that, to think about. Um, if you were to consider one of these, maybe practice uh, reaching where that would be and making sure that's comfortable and easily accessible for you. So that is going to be it for the shoulder holsters uh, this week. But let's go into... Uh, the tales from the range for this week. I think we're diving again into the high road. Is that right? Yes, sir. You guys probably should just be used to hearing the high road because uh, it's going to be in the next couple episodes. Yeah, it's a lifestyle, really. Yes. Uh, but this one comes from uh, our friend Wombat. And Wombat writes... At an IDPA match three or four years ago, we had a scenario that started with a target about five feet away. You were required to draw, verbalize to your attacker, double tap it, and then move to the rest of the course of fire. The first half a dozen shooters verbalize, drop the gun, drop the gun, drop the knife, dirtbag, or something similar. Then Fritz, who I'm assuming, assuming it's his buddy or something. Then Fritz comes to the line, and after the buzzer draws, yells, I said Bud Light! And fires six shots fast into the target. One of the funniest things I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, that's one way to make your presence known. Ridiculous. Uh, and I think if I... Yeah, if I was in a dark alley and I heard someone yell, I said a Bud Light, I'd be taken off. Run! Yep. Yeah. Great answer is to run. Also, I'd probably just some... laugh if someone called me a dirtbag. It's kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> if someone, if you, if you ordered a Bud Light and someone brought you something else, they're doing it to help you. That's not out of spite. 
they're doing that out of the goodness and kindness of their hearts mm-hmm. so maybe roll with them on that that's the one i you know joey upper not sdi has endorsed a couple of concepts and ideas let me officially not endorse bud light unless <laughs> it comes in the form of a bud light one yeah you do have to fear a man that willingly chooses to drink bud light and defends it that that aggressively yes it's yes. not it's not the best look <laughs> um one final note for me if you've ever seen the show pardon the interruption you'll know at the end of the show uh they bring on one of the producers and they go through some of the mistakes they've made on the show maybe some of the things maybe they misquoted or you know maybe they got a date wrong or a statistic or something uh i did mess up when i was talking about for a few dollars more it turns out that leaving cleef's character mortimer um does not have a shoulder holster in fact it is kind of low on his hip but he did do a right hand cross draw so i think that was where the mistake was made oh yeah okay and i will say in your defense a lot of revolver you know big bertha revolvers that are in shoulder holsters go really low um Mm -hmm. like will dip below the waistband low Mm -hmm. so that i mean it's not crazy is the point yeah yeah. so cool in that movie he is it's a great movie i'd say having not seen it i was going to say i'm like you shut your mouth and you do not talk about old Will leave Ang Cleef like that without knowing the man's work. Yeah. Well, let that'll me tell change. You that will change. I cannot endorse the movie myself, but I endorse your endorsement of the movie. I'll take it. That's, yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. Uh, okay. Before we go, one last time, if you're interested in learning how Sonoran Desert Institute can be a part of your academic journey, hop on to sdi.edu. There's all sorts of information. If you go to news, you'll see our blog, which Drew and I write lots and lots of. Uh, You can hop onto our social media channels, which isn't on sdi.edu, but we're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, if you are a social media person. If you're not, uh, good for you. No judgment there either. Um, but we would love to hear from you. Uh, If you have any questions about the show, please leave them in the comments when we post these guys or send them to marketing at sdi.edu. We would love to hear from you. For now, that is the gun rack. Have fun out there, guys, and we will see you at the range. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. It is headquartered at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.